Hey, 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 welcome to Null Pointers. We are your hosts, Mark, Stephen, and Gerald. And this week, we'll be talking about becoming a generalist or specialist. Stay tuned. So while becoming a generalist or a specialist is super interesting, I've just read the following news that Stripe, the payment company, uh, has become the biggest hotshot in Silicon Valley, and it's currently valued at $95 billion. That's triple the amount that it was valued back a year ago. So it seems online sales are happening. It's also from from what I can tell about the net worth of this, of our studio, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty much. Yeah, you heard it here first. You can buy us out. Runner up, runner up. You can buy us out if you want. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, obviously, online payments is, especially in these times where physical stores are becoming harder and harder to visit. Um, online is is where everything is buying their stuff and. Payment providers in that sense, I think, are, are doing quite well. Yeah. And speaking about online payments, I've heard that someone in the studio actually went online and bought himself a brand new MacBook Pro featuring the latest Apple Silicon hardware. Yeah, yeah I did it. I did it. I just, you know, bit the bullet and I did it. We talked about it in the last episode. Uh, why did we talk about it again? Oh, yes, because of the link, uh, which I keep forgetting. It's funny, but I keep forgetting. Will it work on my applesilicon.com slash four slash developers or something like that? Check the show notes on our previous episode. But yes, I got one. So does it work? Did it turn on? It turned on. I got it past Friday afternoonish. And I've worked a good couple of hours on it now, and I still have battery. And I was, you know, doing Visual Studio stuff. So that's pretty cool. That sounds like you did some proper things with it. Yes. With yes. That, and you never plugged it in? No, not yet, not yet. Uh, oh, wow. So no, but it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, there has been a good number of applications that already... Um, support like the the native bits so vs code um, you can already get the preview version that um, is running natively and it feels very snappy and that's i mean you would think like how much faster can loading web pages become um well it actually can become quicker uh, especially if you're using safari it's it's very quick right now so that's cool and i think even i installed edge because you know um that's that's cool too nowadays and I think their preview version also supports native M1 mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and I like to use an app for my note taking, which is called Notion. Uh, and they also use, uh, they also have already a version with um, native M1 support. So I was surprised by all the apps that already have native support for this. And um, yeah, it just is super fast. I have yet to discover if there is an actual fan in there. Um, because I haven't heard it being turned on um, yet, and um, the battery is is pretty solid, so very happy up till now. We might will check back on you, Gerald, from time to time, especially me, because I'm super interested in how this experiment from Apple is actually working out for developers. 
it's a pricey experiment, but yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's why I'll take a backseat row. Just ask people that bought it and are more courageous than me to only mm-hmm. live with two USB-C ports. Moving on, speaking about USB-C ports, USB-C ports, quite the specialist in equipment, one could say, and adapter, maybe a generalist equipment. I've got no idea where I'm going with this segue, actually, but let's have it. What is the big difference between a generalist and a specialist? Maybe, Stephen, since you are the walking lexica of the group. So in my book, um, I would consider myself a specialist. Um, I've done Xamarin for the last God knows how long. Um, It's been years on end. 20 years. 20 years, something like that. Um, And I haven't really done much else, actually, in my uh, professional career in the last few years. Um, So I would say that I'm, I'm pretty much a specialist in Xamarin at this point, um, even though it feels kind of weird to say that of yourself. But looking the other way, um, like a specialist expert, one area, um, the generalist knows, well, a lot of stuff about a lot of things, but maybe some some areas knows a little bit less, but that, that doesn't really matter. So yeah, in, in that sense, uh, if you look at, for example, what Gerald's been doing, um, he's obviously been pumping out Xamarin content on his YouTube, but he's also done streams on totally non-Xamarin related things. Um, he's given talks about Azure, I believe also on cognitive services. So I would say Gerald is pretty well-versed in the generalist sense. Ooh, generalist thank you. sense. Thank you. Uh, wow. So yeah, wh- wh- why not both? Why not both? Why not both? Um, yeah, you could be. <laughs> I mean, you could be the expert in one area and still know a lot of stuff about other areas, right? Definitely. Um, so that's, and I think that's kind of where I place myself. Like, same like Stephen, because that's how we met. We should we should make an origin story episode of. Did we already do that? How we met? Well, the anyway, origin. Like we were a bunch of superheroes. Um, so, but that's that's basically um, well. Everyone wants to hear that one. Part of, part of how. Stephen and I got together. Um, it was because I switched jobs. I, I moved to a different part of the company, co- country, and then I had to move company. Um, and then I was seated next to Stephen because he was also doing Xamarin stuff. So, um, but yeah, that's that's like Stephen said. I've been doing a lot of um, stuff with that, building actual apps. Then later, of course, even being hired by the Xamarin Forms team at Microsoft. So that's really cool. So. I think I know a thing or two about that, but I mean, together with building apps, that's something that I've mentioned over and over again too, is like, you know, you probably also know some stuff about the backend. You've built a ASP.NET backend, maybe some other um, technique, or at least, you know, um, how, how that stuff works, how to do HTTP requests. So, you know, a little bit about HTTP and that kind of stack and how that works. So, you know, and then maybe you host that stuff on Azure and maybe you do something with AI. So. Um, yes, I definitely have a lot of stuff that I find interesting, which I try to then connect to the Xamarin stuff, I guess. But yeah, I, I see myself more as a generalist, I think. But yeah, so Mark, what about you? I, you seem to be the expert on everything. The generalist, uh, the special, I don't know. I mean, I've, I think I've got a similar story as, as you two guys being a long time in the Xamarin space and doing a lot of work on on mobile platforms. And the more you work in a certain area, the more you get to experience over time different situations. And you just accumulate this sometimes very in-depth knowledge in a 
certain area of developments and that I think makes you a specialist in that area. What I can also say is that like you, Gerald, I mean, I, I really like to dabble with certain things. Uh, so I, I've looked once into AI. Uh, you said backend technologies. I mean, at some point you maybe think, hey, I just will quickly build this little app and then there is no backend developer. So you hop into that role and figure it out on the fly how that thing goes, or maybe not so much on the fly and get stuck in it for a little while. But that's just how life goes. I mean, and those experience, they accumulate. And I think it's I think it's good to have a specialist role. I think it's good for you to stay oriented. Like, I really want to get good in writing web front-end applications, or I really want to get good in writing distributed applications that run on different servers. Stuff like that um, can be very helpful because it usually means that you will then sift through the topics that are out there and try to work yourself into one area because there's just so much that you could learn. I mean, if you want to be the true generalist, you will have to learn, I don't know, SQL databases. You'll have to learn how to set up some web server. You will have to know the ins and outs of iOS. You'll know how to submit an app to the store. You will have to know how uh, JavaScript you can then adopt to a different browser and, and all those funny little nitty gritty things and learning CSS along the way. I mean, that, that must be a, a very important skill to have if you want to be a true generalist. And I think it's you can't you can't have to do that, but uh, I know that Stephen he really loves this word the growth mindset, and I think that's that's something you have to have if you really want to stay like a bit more general and uh, and also on the field. I mean, I've seen people they have become a super specialist in one area. Let's say you have written COBOL for a very long time on a mainframe, and that just so happens to be that. I mean, I know some COBOL developers are still very sought out after, but most new applications, they will probably not be written on that stack. And yeah, I think it's also important to keep an eye open to develop yourself further so you don't become obsolete sometime in the future. I definitely agree with that sentiment. Like you can you can stay a specialist, but at some point, maybe your specialism just goes away and then you're kind of stuck not knowing what to do next because, well, you didn't really broaden your horizon very far beyond that so yeah definitely i i also dabble in web and and css as mark said it which is awesome um mm -hmm. but yeah I'm, I'm definitely looking to also maybe deepen my knowledge of, of things like react or, or next.js or that kind of stuff just because it's front end and i'm like i'm a sucker for graphics so yeah that fits well i guess yeah, so and I, I think uh, an example of a fairly general role, I would say, is the, um, I think it used to be called an evangelist. I think that it's now a advocate type of role. Um, Huge difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, it has reasons probably, but let's not go into that. <laughs> but those are the kinds of people you see like speaking at pretty much every convention and every time you see them speak, it's a completely different topic and you're wondering like how... How does this person know all this stuff? That's like, at least that's that's what I've sometimes thought of um, when I saw people like that. But it's it's like those sessions typically serve as a like a an intro into that topic. If you really want a deep dive, you're probably going to need to find yourself a specialist somewhere. But it is definitely like a, a different kind of role 
that is definitely it. I'm not saying in any way to to diminish someone like that for making someone, an intro. Someone like that. Well, someone for, like that. Yeah. For making an <laughs> for making like only introductory content that that is definitely not meant as in any way a negative statement because I do, do think it it adds value just in in different ways like to to onboard new people to to make people interested in something they didn't know that much about yet that kind of stuff. It's kind of funny that we. Well, let's let's let me talk about myself. That you have this feeling that you must be the expert in something or on everything, and that whenever something is only introductory content, that it's you know. Um, but I think you know it, it's very hard to because I'm doing the YouTube stuff and all, and all kinds of other things, and it's very hard to actually explain something from square zero uh, to someone who's never uh, seen it before. And of course, you know, if you go into more of the live in-person sessions, who, who, who remembers those? Raise your hands. Then it, it, it's hard to read the room and um, get something for everyone, right? That, that starts with an abstract and et cetera, et cetera. And it's, uh, but there's definitely advocates who also, uh, they are generalists, but they're also um, experts in in some topic, so yeah, I, I feel you know it's they 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 just have a different job than um, kind of like the the actual software engineer, right? Because um, they can take a thing, look at it, see all the advantages, and um, change that into some shape or form to actually explain it to other people who can then run with it and and do actual great stuff with it. Um, and also, you know, we're 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 not saying that. Uh, the advocates are only doing the introductory stuff. I mean, there's there's also definitely deeper dive sessions from them. But yeah, it's it's just a different role, right? It's more like content creation meets tech. Um, I mean, they could probably maybe also tell you something about kittens or <laughs> cooking. Mechanical keyboards. Yeah, mechanical keyboards, definitely. Because, you know, a, a big part of it is also the, the content creation and knowing how to transfer knowledge from from one person to another i think some people they they give uh, these uh, developer advocates a bit of a bad rap because they do a lot of introductionary talking points which are not always all that easy as it may might seem and i think there are some advocates out there they have been experts in the field uh, so they can make beginner content they can also make the deep dives uh, i think for me what it what the evangelist or sorry a developer advocate has to do. We love you all, good friends of the shows who are in this role. You are also for a company there to to introduce the outside of, of your company to products that you're making or for new solutions that you're doing. And some of them just happen to be an introduction to a new topic. So if, if a new feature comes out for, I don't know, uh, an Azure service or something, you will see a developer advocate explaining why this feature might be useful to you and how to get started with it. That does not mean that this uh, developer advocate is is necessarily the biggest expert in that field, but I think it's 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 a valuable piece of information to yeah get get a in a in a quick fashion get the idea what is this service about how can it get started up and running and and is it maybe something that you want to use? I mean on the other end, I mean I've I've seen this so many times. I think it's really difficult, as you said, Gerald, to find a topic that is just perfect for an entire room. I mean, you will always have people in there that already know something about a subject. So they will be bored if you then start out at, from the base zero and then go up. And there may be people in there that have that are just in there to like, hey, what is this all about? And if you then deep dive right into a topic and you go like super, super low deep devil for 
I don't know, 30, 40 minutes, you, you'll just have lost probably a majority of your audience. And I think that's uh, when you present something, that's always difficult. But I also think it's generally difficult when you create content to how much introductory do I have to make to get someone to understand it. And by that, I also mean, I mean, if you're thinking about, hey, when is the best time to maybe prepare such content? Uh, I think it's often when you just have learned it or when you have just learned it and maybe refined a bit around it, because usually then a lot of the things are still fresh and also a lot of the stepping stones that you fall over or the walls that you run into. Maybe it's just me. Uh, they're still fresh in your memory and you can pinpoint the amount of people that are just coming along. And so I think it, yeah, making intermediate content, uh, co- making intermediary content for me is, I think, one of the most hardest things. I mean, something very specialized, very hard. Uh, you you run over those, but yeah, giving a general perspective for someone that has got the basics but is now open to do the next step that can be quite hard. And it's also like you know, the, at some point, if you have some knowledge as a consumer of the knowledge, let's let's say it like that. Then at some point, you know, you are not going to look at that content anymore. You're just going to go out, try it. You have a general sense of what you want to do. You go out to the documentation that might be there or just go through the APIs and play with that. Because what I noticed when creating that content, um, I actually started out, Mark, like the thing you said, I think at some point when Xamarin Forms was quite new and I thought like, hey, I'm going to learn this. Maybe, you know, someone can benefit if I write all these things down in a little blog post and that got me a long way, I guess. And I think a lot of people enjoyed that and, and still do that. But a lot of things that I see with my content is that whenever I do make something more intermediary is that the responses and the comments are like, hey, but how about this simple thing? Um, and I'm not meeting simple thing as, you know, um, diminishing that, that person or whatever, but, uh, you know, they are just asking, looking for more beginner content. So uh, I feel that beginners are looking more for this kind of content, I guess. So the market for intermediary or more expert content might be smaller. Although, you know, that is also very much appreciated depending on what you do, I guess. Um, If you look at the the first thing that comes to mind is Bart de Smet. Uh, He is a Belgian fellow. Uh, so, but his name is Dutch, uh, and he works at Microsoft for a long, long time already. And I think at Techorama, which is an event here in Belgium and the Netherlands, uh, it's kind of tradition that he does like the last session of the day or something. And I think his session, you know, you have these these session levels where 100 is very introductory, and that 200, 300, etc. I think 400 is then expert. Um, and I think his level is 666 mm-hmm. because, you know, you, he can talk for five minutes and he, he already lost me because he is very much into the internals of all kinds of things. And uh, it's it's very dry material. But, um, yeah, it's it's super cool. And a lot of people appreciate that. So, you know, there's there's definitely a market for that, too. But it's a hard hard problem to solve. Uh, that, that brings to mind a, a fellow MVP of Switzerland. He's called Philip W., um, mainly because no one is able to pronounce his last name, <laughs> but uh, he's the, well, yeah, that's, I think he once told me and then I asked a second time and he just said, just call me Philip. It's okay. Leave um, it. Yeah, I'll, I'll put, I'll be sure to put his Twitter profile into our show notes, no, but he's, uh, he's written, he's written OmniSharp or part of it. So the C-sharp code highlighting in Visual Studio, stuff like that, C-sharp scripty. 
used to do at least. And I was into QShop and I remember he sometimes gives talk about how you can make fun of the C-sharp compiler. And I mean, just by the name of that session, you go like, okay, yeah. So, it, um, and he manages to go like in these super deep topics where your mind just sometimes explodes after five minutes because it's so complex. But he managed to do this over and over, like in, in all different kind of areas. So he always brings it again back and then he starts down into the next rabbit hole. And uh, yeah, so, so those talks, they can be very entertaining, I think, uh, if you go like super deep. They might not always be super useful in your day-to-day job, but if you ever discuss, if you ever have that issue and you know that it might be there or that's a bit of a rough edge in your programming language, I mean, yeah, I think you, you're happy to know that they're there. And I think it also shows that you can be an expert in, a, in an area and you can give a very, very uh, low-level talk uh, but still keep it entertaining. But it, it requires quite some skill to do that. Now, we've now talked quite a bit about what we think is an expert and what we think is a generalist. So let's go down to the real thing. Let's let's talk about the monies. Um, what do you think? Would, would you earn more if you become an expert in one field, if you become the next, whatever SharePoint will be, expert, or just be an all-rounder? Just um, whatever the problem is, he'll fix it. He or she will fix it. That's a good question, I guess. But I'm not sure if the answer is as black and white as the as the question, basically. Because I'm pretty sure that if you are like a specialist in something, there are companies out there who will pay you handsomely um, just for your knowledge because they have a problem that they cannot seem to get fixed or like I, I remember from long ago when when I actually had to deal with I guess SAP consultants who for some reason made ridiculous money they still do they still, they still do, do probably I, I I haven't spoken to one in God knows how long <laughs> um, but I'm pretty sure they still do um, so at the time that was apparently quite specialistic knowledge to have and that was handsomely rewarded in a way but I, I think being a generalist doesn't necessarily exclude you from <laughs> from getting a handsome pay I would say especially in IT right I mean yeah. everything is is well earned I think and it can go both ways I think you know it's a, it's a hard question if you think that you know please let us know in the Twitters, uh, but yeah, I th- thinking about like the expert who makes money is yes, SAP or maybe you know whenever a language that was at some point uh, very popular and now is not very much used, like was it COBOL or something that is still used in like the the, the bank uh, banking world. Um, so you know if they have a problem and they need someone and you're the only one who knows uh, still something about it, then. Sure, you can you can ask a good amount of money for that, um, or so it, it kind of depends on the tech and how many uh, people, how many other experts there are, right? Like if you're the only one, if it's kind of a niche or something, then um, that helps. So it's 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 all it's very software developer kind of thing. It depends. So if if I still do punch cards, would would that make me rich? Uh, well, depends. Depends. If the punch cards are made out of gold, yes. <laughs> yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, I think if you become an expert, um, being an expert alone will probably not tell you if you're making like a, a lot of money or not. Uh, I think it also is the fields that you then become an expert in. So knowing the technology is one thing, but I think the other thing is knowing the field that you're working in. So if you got domain knowledge uh, paired up with technology knowledge, that's like I think where 
you get really valuable for for companies because you know how to solve certain problems that they're actually having. That being said, if you're an expert, I really I've seen this uh, a few times. Like um, I know SAP, it's it's huge. I think it won't go anywhere soon, at least not in Europe. But you're sticking yourself to that one technology, and if that technology goes away or it ever starts to diminish. Um, yeah, you're it. I mean, you've been the expert. You've racked in the huge salary over the past few years, but now you have to jump over to a different technology, and that can be quite hard. I think I have spoken with a few SAP developers, and they have quite a different paradigm as, let's say, us .NET, Web, Java, Ruby, Python, whatnot developers. So, yeah, I think that will be quite a tough jump to do. On the other end, if you're an all-rounder, um, I'm, I'm sure you will get to see a lot of different projects. You'll be uh, in a lot of different places that you'll be able to work in and help with. And again, I think I think it's it, it's the mixture of both that will really make you valuable. And uh, I've once heard in a very businessy talk that there is the thing called the T-shaped skills. So if you look at a T, it's like going really deep in one area, but you still have got a broad horizon at the top. So you know what's around you. And yeah, I think that's that's maybe something that you can aim for. So while you stay on, on one area and you become an expert there and you get experience, and I mean, that's oftentimes how it goes. I mean, I don't know how it is with you guys, but for me, it's sometimes quite hard. If there is a mobile project uh, in my company and another project, um, that start side by side, it's like 90% chance I'll be put on the mobile project. It, it, I, even if I would be super interested in, in being part of the other project, it's just like my my knowledge is, is uh, yeah, so valuable. Better spent on the other project, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, I mean, that, that's another risk, right? I mean, no, no one tells you about that, you know? I mean, all fun and giggles at the start, being a mobile developer, getting all the cool devices to develop on, but then, you know, if you ever have that other access project going on in the company, I'll just say no. You're not allowed to do that access thing. You'll have to do the oh. mobile cool stuff. Yeah, it's it's tough life. It's a tough life as a mobile developer. I'll happily give you an access project off the books <laughs> if you want, I mean... <laughs> If you really I'll make want one to. up on the spot. <laughs> no, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, maybe maybe some other time, Stephen. Okay. Maybe. Okay. So this this whole like expert all rounder stuff, um, it it obviously doesn't only apply to coding. I mean, I I would like to think of myself that I have some affinity with design and UX kind of stuff. So, like Mark said, I think that's not definitely the... I'm not a specialist in that area, but I, I do consider it to be one of my top-of-the-T kind of skills. So, is, is there any any skills on your end that you think non-coding related would, would fit into your generalist profile? Yes, Mark. Just before recording, we've seen a picture of your dinner, and it looked amazing. So, is cooking <laughs> is cooking one of your more generalist... I don't. I don't know if I don't know if cooking is one of my generalist skills. I I surely know how to uh, heating up some frozen uh, vegetables and Ooh. put some meat in a pan and uh, put some noodles into some boiling water and then mix it all together, put it on a photograph and send it to you guys to tell you I'll be ready. I'll be in the studio right <laughs> after I've eaten this. I mean, yeah, I I've got that skill. Maybe the specialism is taking pretty pictures because it it looked better than that. Yeah, I mean that's the iPhone. It did all the magic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably, probably got some AI food filter going on there. No, I mean, 
I think it's I think it's a valid topic that you bring up there, Stephen. I mean, don't forget that there's not only development and technology going on. I think as a developer, you will be interacting with different people in a team. So you'll maybe I mean I always say you're lucky enough to work with a designer because I very seldomly work with people that actually have got good knowledge in design or UX. But project management or business in general, requirements uh, engineering. Uh, IT, like getting your stuff up and running, like ops, ops stuff, uh, all those areas. Why you might never be the true expert there, and there will always be someone else in there. If you know how those people think, uh, I'm putting quotations here, which no one can see except you, you guys in the studio. Uh, so, if you know how they think, if you know how they how they feel, or, or how their mindset works around certain topics. I think it can really help you to make your points also to make them understand why the task that you're currently on, uh, why you think that this or that path is the best way for the project or for the business to have this done. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. And I think, you know, with that, which is maybe diverting a little bit from the, the actual topic, but uh, also like with, with all the soft skills and stuff and presenting um, that that's just a good thing to be able to do, right? To um, it, it might not be like the actual content creation, uh, but at least to know how to do a session, um, how to get that information across. And like you say, Mark, like um, to get people on board to move into a certain direction or convince people that to see the things the way that you see them and that that is the right way to go. Um, I think those are definitely skills that will come in super handy for not just software development or IT, uh, but basically life in general. So yeah, that's that's definitely something that comes back in, in, in many shape and forms, I guess. Yeah, and for some roles more than other, I mean, if you look at like, um, if I look in my direct environment at Microsoft and you know, you have the, the program managers who also want to do some stuff um, and for them, it's, you know, also very important to actually do uh, content creation. Uh, well, maybe again, not, not entirely content creation, but at least um, give a little presentation or know how to interact with people to get information out of them. Um, so there, there are many skills and they definitely don't have to be technical or relevant to the job that you're actually doing. So in our case, that's technical. Um, to still be very useful in whatever you're trying to achieve in your day job. And another very important skill that you should learn if you are anywhere close to IT is how to fix a printer and how to get that email account set up on a mobile phone because whenever Christmas comes around, that's your expertise. Yes. And I think that wraps up our show on becoming a generalist or a specialist. We have been your hosts, Mark Alibone. Stephen Davis and Gerald Schloss. And let us know what are your opinions? Are you a specialist or a generalist? Do you care what you are? Let us know at nullpointers.io. Our DMs are open. Stephen is always happy to reply. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Stay safe. And until next week on Null Pointers. Mm-hmm.